Hey, peeps, please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. All right, so now that that's out of the way, let's get into this. Our movement is about replacing a failed and corrupt political establishment with a new government controlled by you, the American people. The Washington establishment and the financial and media corporations that fund it exist for only one reason, to protect and enrich itself. The establishment has trillions of dollars at stake in this election. For those who control the levers of power in Washington and for the global special interest, they partner with these people that don't have your good in mind. Our campaign represents a true existential threat like they haven't seen before. This is not simply another four-year election. This is a crossroads in the history of our civilization that will determine whether or not we, the people, reclaim control over our government. The political establishment that is trying to stop us is the same group responsible for our disastrous trade deals, massive illegal immigration, and economic and foreign policies that have bled our country dry. The political establishment has brought about the destruction of our factories and our jobs as they flee to Mexico, China, and other countries all around the world. It's a global power structure that is responsible for the economic decisions that have robbed our working class, stripped our country of its wealth, and put that money into the pockets of a handful of large corporations and political entities. This is a struggle for the survival of our nation. And this will be our last chance to save it. This election will determine whether we're a free nation or whether we have only the illusion of democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. You know it, they know it, I know it, and pretty much the whole world knows it. The Clinton machine is at the center of this power structure. We've seen this firsthand in the WikiLeaks documents in which Hillary Clinton meets in secret with international banks to plot the destruction of U.S. sovereignty in order to enrich these global financial powers, her special interest friends, and her donors. Honestly, she should be locked up. The most powerful weapon deployed by the Clintons is the corporate media, the press. Let's be clear on one thing. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. They're a political special interest, no different than any lobbyist or other financial entity with a total political agenda. And the agenda is not for you, it's for themselves. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe. They will lie, 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 and then again, they will do worse than that. They will do whatever is necessary. The Clintons are criminals, remember that. This is well documented, and the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread 
criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. They knew they would throw every lie they could at me and my family and my loved ones. They knew they would stop at nothing to try to stop me. Nevertheless, I take all of these slings and arrows gladly for you. I take them for our movement so that we can have our country back. I knew this day would arrive. It's only a question of when. And I knew the American people would rise above it and vote for the future they deserve. The only thing that can stop this corrupt machine is you. The only force strong enough to save our country is us. The only people brave enough to vote out this corrupt establishment is you, the American people. Our great civilization has come upon a moment of reckoning. I didn't need to do this, folks, believe me. I built a great company and I had a wonderful life. I could have enjoyed the fruits and benefits of years of successful business deals and businesses for myself and my family, instead of going through this absolute horror show of lies, deceptions, malicious attacks. Who would have thought? I'm doing it because this country has given me so much, and I feel so strongly that it's my turn to give back to the country that I love. I'm doing this for the people and for the movement, and we will take back this country for you, and we will make America great again. What is going on, friends and fam? How is everybody doing? We're coming at you from a new time at 3 o'clock on Wednesday, I guess it is. So normally we do 6 o'clock, so for everybody joining early, I appreciate it. We just uh, finished up with Bobby Python. And now we got a good buddy, Jr. on with us. He's going to tell us why he's running for Congress. But as always, huge thanks is uh, you know for Will for all the stuff you do behind the scenes for Aaron, everything you do. Uh, Shahid, of course, my brother in the in the chat, keeping everybody, you know, um, keeping it nice and cool there. And then um, yeah, of course, um, prayers for Tom. Tom definitely needs prayers. So Jr., what is going on, my man? How are you doing today? Good, brother. How are you, man? Long time no see. It's been a minute, hasn't it? Yes, it has, man. This time last year, I was uh, planning my my big art piece, so it's kind of uh, reminiscent for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For people that don't remember, uh, maybe explain the art piece. So last year in 2020, um, I decided, well, it's a long story, but um, what it boils down to is, is that um, every year on the 4th of July, I support a veterans organization. And in 2019, I painted the largest uh, Betsy Ross flag in my front yard. I have a uh, about a, an acre of property here on Lake Erie. And so in 2019, I challenged the veteran organization to beat one of their fundraisers. They did. And uh, my uh, reward for them beating was to paint the largest American flag. And I ended up turning it into the Betsy Ross flag. Um, for those of you that remember, uh, the 4th of July in 2019 was around the time where Colin Kaepernick and Nike were going after the Betsy Ross flag and our American heritage. So um, we decided to buck the system a little bit there and uh, and do the Betsy Ross flag. And then in 2020, I offered the same challenge to the folks. And um, we were originally going to paint the POW MIA flag, but uh, at the last minute, that became um, something impossible because of uh, painting my yard black with a black paint would have essentially killed my, my lawn for good. So um, we decided at the last hour to do the Trump 2020 flag. 
And uh, that gave me some national recognition, got to meet the president, got to drive in his motorcade, got to meet good guys like you and Red Pill and Methods and all the other folks. Uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great journey, made a lot of friends and uh, my yard, um, you know, it looks pretty empty, right? It looks lonely when I, when I leave in the morning. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, this year, one, this year, this time, this last year, I was planning and plotting uh, what we were gonna do out there in the front lawn, so. Well, the grass thanks you for not painting it black, I'm sure. Yes. But of course, the uh, the Trump 2020 is iconic. So, yeah, in incredible stuff, man. So you're you're running for office in Ohio. Mm -hmm. um, maybe just you know, tell the fam a little bit about your background, you know, why you want to get into politics, why you want to run, um, maybe, you know, some of your military history, just sure. things like just who is JR? All right. So um, a lot of you know me as the, the super Trump fan from Ohio, but the reality of it is, is that I'm a military veteran. Um, I've, I've been in the nuclear industry. I'm a nuclear leader. Um, I've, I'm, I'm, I've been in the nuclear industry now for over 18 years. I've worked at multiple plants all over the country. And uh, right now I manage a team that um, is responsible for one of the big, well, actually the biggest global market uh share of our spent nuclear fuel worldwide uh, my country or excuse me my company specializes in the safe storage of nuclear fuel um, this district here that i live in in ohio has been dominated by uh, the democratic party um, marcy captor is the representative here she's been in office for 38 years uh, she's actually the longest standing female member uh, in congressional history um, and uh, she like i said she's dominated this this district um, we've faced multiple uh, um, job law, we face economic uh, blight. Uh, our, our law enforcement is is being, you know, put with their backs against the wall, just like, you know, it's happening all over the country. Um, our local economy is heavily dependent on a nuclear power plant, which she has shown no support, absolutely no support in her 38 years. And, you know, from being an active participant and a patriot in 2020, um, I had a first uh, take glance at what our political system looked like uh, through supporting local candidates. And I came to the realization that they were making innocent mistakes that I thought I could capitalize on. And, um, you know, you can give someone constructive criticism in the heat of the game, but they're not often, you know, willing to accept it just because of everything that's going on. And, uh, you know, I, I held some of my comments back, but I did try to help, help the local candidates and, uh, I don't believe that they were a victim of voter fraud, but there still is that lingering thought. Um, but uh, I decided that if I didn't step up to the plate here locally, uh, I, I, I didn't foresee another Republican brave enough to stand up to Marcy Captor given her dominance. So, um, you know, I, I jumped to the, you know, the challenge and uh, been going at it now for a good couple of weeks and we're making some pretty significant strides. That's great to hear. That's great to hear. Um, you know, as far as you know, America as a whole, what do you think its largest problem it's facing? And then, of course, you know, your, your community, your state as well. Oh, I, I think what, what position are you running for? So, so the fam knows as well. Um, so I'm running for House of Representatives for the 9th Congressional District of Ohio. And I think the biggest problem we face right now from just a, a national standpoint is the establishment. Um, we're dealing with a battle of good versus evil. We have politicians that have been in office, like in, in, in my district's case for 38 years. They're extremely disconnected from reality. They have no fundamental understanding of what it's like to be, you know, a blue collar American or even a red blooded American for that matter. And they're driving policies and legislation that is just 
detrimental to society, but it's, you know, fattening their pockets. And we are watching it because we've, you know, socially, um, we've been driven to, into this paradigm where it's not popular to be brave unless you're pushing a specific agenda. And I know that, you know, good conservatives like us are very brave. It's just that we have a livelihood to maintain. We have, you know, we're, we're, we're principally drowned or driven. We're, we're God fearing. And we get into situations where, um, you know, with cancel culture, you know, with people st standing up for their political affiliations, they, they, they lose their jobs or, you know, they lose credibility in the community. I mean, there's, it's just a multifaceted problem, but it all boils back down to this establishment that, is driving policies that are unfavorable to the everyday American, regardless of political affiliation. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of great points there. And when you when you think about it, I would honestly argue we're in the majority. However, we don't have the the megaphone, the the media, right, that the other side has. And so they have this way of highlighting or turning a spotlight on the crazy 1% and saying, this is America, because they control you know the media right they control the social media and so they have this cancel culture that you know is this this hyper one percent that that makes a lot of freaking noise i mean if you look at like the russian revolution there was only ten thousand people that were doing it right and so the media like really really uh you know highlights this one percent and says this is america and so we have to worry about this cancel culture so to speak they try to use that you know this fear to quiet us so you know, in, in Congress, if you're elected, what would you do, um, you know, to try to make the media fair and free again, right? To make uh, social media, you know, fair and free and, uh, you know, hold them accountable when they're absolutely doing things that are illegal that they seem to be getting a pass on. Well, I think number one, what's missing in my district in specific is representation. Um, you know, I believe in the old adage for the people, you know, by the people. I, and I don't think Marcy, I know for a fact, I mean, while Marcy Kaptur has the longest uh, career in Congress, she also has the worst attendance rate. I mean, she's absent over you know, double her peers. And, you know, she, she's missing out on, on good opportunities to make sure that or to ensure that our voices are heard and that the district's concerns are represented in D.C. And she doesn't do that. And that's my number one um, focus is just being available to the people. Uh, I've spoken to numerous folks, um, thousands over the past few weeks, and I've met one person who has actually spoken to Marcy Kaptur within the last two years. And that person just happens to be a major donor. And that person also is aware that their donorship is what gets them, uh, you know, audience with Marcy Kaptur. And then they, they feel like that's, that's a sh you know, that's shameful. So that's the number one issue. But when it comes to you know what I what I represent, it's it's always going to be the people's will. I see a lot of our politicians today; they're more concerned with the fame and the glory and getting on Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or OAN. I mean, my my interest is not to be popular; it's not to be famous. Um, you don't see you know some of our great conservatives uh, on TV every day. Uh, they do get on TV when they're pushing you know specific legislation or important topics or, uh, you know, initiatives, but they're not on there. They're not a central piece. You don't think that they're actually a co-host of Fox News. And I think that's another missing thing. They should be in their district 
that's why the you know the election cycle for a representative is every two years because our founding fathers had the intent of keeping our representatives in districts so that they could listen to the people and fairly represent them and that i think is fundamentally mi missing um but as far as the mainstream media now i have i have a couple approaches that you know i, I would like to introduce but again they would need to be adopted by my constituents but Number one is that I think that our mainstream media should have some sort of, of structure that, that gives them you know, a board or a licensing or some type of a quality assurance forum, um, similar to what you'll see with lawyers having you know, the bar association or the medical review uh, boards you know, in, in our medical industry and giving you know, some form of internal audit or internal licensing to which these journalists could hold themselves accountable. They do have these actual, uh, they, they actually do have these bodies. They just don't use them uh, for what they're meant for. But, you know, these journalists should be holding themselves accountable. And some will say that's a violation of free speech. But, you know, the minute that you throw on the Fox News or the CNN emblem, in my opinion, you lose your, your right to claim free speech because you're now representing an organization, a big business, and you have a producer telling you what to say. So, uh, there, there are certain situations like you'll have your Glenn Beck's or other folks that don't claim to be journalists. They claim to be commentators. You know, I think what they do could be considered fair, but you know, th there still is that propaganda element and truth to the people that needs to be maintained. Um, you know, our parents used to sit in front of the, of the TV at night, watch the six o'clock news, and not worry, you know, whether or not Dan Rather was lying to them. Now they, you know, now they're realizing that they've been lied to for 20 to 30 years, and it's it's shocking. And we we need to, we need to take take that out of our society. I mean, it it absolutely provides no benefit whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, they uh, truly are the enemy of the people. When you look at uh, the media, for the most part, 95% of it's controlled by what five or six basic corporations. They're all. They all have the same agenda. They all have the same script. And so we know it's not for us. It's it's for them, whatever their motives are. Panhandling so, propaganda. Yeah, I really like Ron DeSantis's approach too. And as the governor of Florida yeah. there, where he's actually with social media and other things too, he's basically creating um, a platform now for people to sue uh, these social media platforms. Uh, you know, basically a, a way for them to get compensation, a way for them to be heard um, and, and of course, if these social media and these media platforms continue to do what they're doing and deplatform and censor people, if they're getting hit at $100,000, $200,000 a pop and they're getting hit, you know, by millions of freaking people, absolutely, uh, that's going to really hurt them in the wallet because they have shareholders. And so uh, there needs to be some accountability um, for sure. Uh, now, education. So obviously we know media is huge because they have the ability to kind of shape people's minds and thoughts and the way things are just because of through propaganda, you know, mm -hmm. public relations is the new term, but propaganda is mostly what we see through the media. Now with like education, we see the same thing. We've seen that like the Rockefeller, uh, you know, basically education system is, is, is now taken over most of the United States socialism and, and this Marxism and the stuff that they're, filling our children's heads with um, what what do you intend to do about things like that and and I realize too that you know this at a federal level you know there's mm -hmm. 435 congressmen and 100 senators or so but you know you kind of you have you would have a loud voice sure uh, being, being there right so what is kind of like your overall thought on the education system and how you would 
do your best to, you know, make it good again. <laughs> you know, right. it, just make it good again. Well, I have the fortunate uh, opportunity to have a friend of mine who I've worked with in the nuclear industry who uh, actually does some consultation with um, Hillsdale College. And I've been in discussion with a few professors there, um, great conservative university. I'm sure you've all heard of them. And, you know, my my political standpoint really is based on the fundamentals that you'll you'll hear from Hillsdale. Um, I believe right off the bat that the, our Department of Education is unconstitutional. I think we're we're faced with a uh, an education system that favors burgeoning bureaucracy, and you know we're taking away responsibility, accountability, and authority and in, in, in decision making from the family. Uh, we're we're not letting parents make decisions for their children. We're throwing them into a system that's based on federal credits, and we're throwing federal mandates at these local education systems that are. Um, starving for money and they're starving for money because they have a in some cases a corrupt teachers union so um i think the curriculum needs to be founded locally and um a few things that i think we could improve on is um, some of the topics that we you know that we teach but then again you know there's that fine line because i don't want to be in the in into the game of of recommending at a federal level what local school systems teach but if i was to reflect on my childhood and graduating from high school um, one of the great things that i think i could have learned was a lot about my credit score and what my credit score meant to me as, a, as an adult um you know we take uh, proficiency tests in high school and you have to you have to pass them before you graduate and none of that you know has anything to do with some of the you know the mathematical uh, uh, solutions that you'll need to have as an as a growing adult and Credit score to me, I think that's one fundamental thing that we could be teaching our kids. I mean, I, I don't know any, I mean, I've asked my my nieces and nephews who are in high school if they know anything, they understand anything about their credit scores and they don't. Um, I've talked to other local folks who are in the financial industry and they think it's a great idea. And, you know, I, the other part of it is um, getting rid of some of our failed initiatives that are overly complex. I mean, no child left behind, race to the top, head start. Um, every student succeeds, which we have in, in Common Core. Those things are all <clears throat> initiatives that had, you know, huge promises, but never even left, you know, met marginally the expectations that were set forth when they were introduced. So all yeah, that I mean, stuff needs to be abolished. Yeah, I mean, you were touching on some stuff too. I mean, with the, I guess, with your credit scores and stuff, you know, just a basic financial. IQ type yeah. test of sorts, right? Where they teach them some of the ins and outs because, you know, like with my kids, I didn't make them to go to college. And I barely, you know, got an adult school diploma myself. I learned more from reading books than I ever did in school. And it's sad. It's sad because, yeah. you know, the stuff that they're pushing to our kids isn't going to make them um, any better. You know what I mean? It's actually right. going to make them worse. Mm -hmm. you know, like it was at Winston Churchill said something like if, uh, you know, you have more heart if you're not uh, basically a, uh, you know, a socialist, you know, in your 20s, but you have no brains if you're not a Republican you know, by 30. 30s. Yeah, so absolutely. You know, it's and it's sad because that's our education system. These kids are coming fresh out of because there's obviously an agenda there. So it would be great if they were taught things that actually really do matter. You know, if they mm -hmm. weren't trying to kick God out of the schools, if they were yeah. teaching them the basics about finance, about finances and how how the money system works. You know right. how money is actually introduced into the system so that stuff would actually be very useful because they'd understand it right right now these kids they have no idea how money works except they have to work for it to pay off all this debt that they're into their you know up to their necks in because of this you know this 
this ideology they have to go to college to be successful when we find all these people that work at McDonald's that have college degrees and that's all that that's all that it can get them so um, there definitely I think needs to be huge reform in our in our education system mm-hmm. uh, that that wokeist Marxism crap out and teach the kids something that's actually useful and can actually better their lives their families and, and give them um, I think uh, you know a real shot at becoming successful in life uh, financially um, you know as far as uh, what about like you know the medical system you know we have you know just some of the, the craziest uh, rates um, you know it's extremely expensive it seems like uh, now they're with uh, the different uh, things that they're trying to push people to do um, you know they they limit what they can take um, they they want nothing to do with alternative medicine mm-hmm. do you think do you think like where Trump was given like the right to try you think that should be expanded upon to alternative medicine absolutely Absolutely. And I think we need to, just like we, we talk about in education, we need to give the right of choice to the patients. I mean, if they're willing to go through um, drug testing, if they're, if, they're, if they're willing to participate in drug testing, if they're willing to you know, try some new initiative that could possibly cure their cancer versus um, you know, sit through a, a 10 to 12 month chemotherapy trial, you know, I think they should have every, every right to do that. I mean, as long as it's ethical and, and it it, it it's not something that they're held hostage to do or forced to do. I don't see a problem with it. I mean, we have an FDA that regulates these things. We should be looking to the FDA. We should be looking to um, you know create a system that that is robust enough to take out any of these ridiculous accusations and give the rights to the people to make decisions based upon you know their their healthcare. I I, I don't believe that we should be prescribing at every level. At some point, you have to have, you have to inject personal choice and the right to choice in a lot of these things. I mean, not everything, but a lot of them, especially when it comes to your individual health, not the health of others, but the health of yourself. Gotcha. Uh, what do you think about this mess um, down there at the southern southern border, the, the wall that's just missing oh, a man. few pieces, right? They're, they're all, <laughs> yeah. all these illegals to flood in. What's, what's your idea on that and some of your, your thoughts on how to fix it? I think we need to build the wall. I think President Trump was right. And I think we lost some opportunities there. We had some momentum um, as far as I, I'm aware he had. And we, we had, what, 100, 200 some miles left to go, I think it was. But, you know, we lost the initiative. And now, from what I'm hearing, President Biden, or I, wow, I can't believe I just said Bi- President Biden, but um, Joe Biden, yeah, that's probably the first time I've said it since November. Um, but uh, Biden's uh, uh, regime is is looking at, you know, reinvigorating some of that uh, construction. And look, I think that a lot of the things that they undermined that were Trump's policies, they knew they were successful and they undermined them just to undermine them. Um, They did it just because the Trump name was attached to them. They had, you know, no care or no desire to look at, you know, the possibility that these things would be successful. I mean, we knew they were successful. We could see it socially and economically, but the Biden administration wanted to tear these things down just because you know, President Trump put them together. And that right there shows the divide in our country. It's it's become a, a partisan uh, battle when it shouldn't be. It should be right versus wrong, good versus evil, which is really where it's at. Yeah, definitely the good versus evil part. I, when you look at a country that's, you know, 30, 30 trillion in debt now and yeah. 200 trillion in derivative debt, um, you know, it's, it's the, the greatest country on the planet. It's the strongest country on the planet. It appears that, you know, some of these deep state actors have literally bought it or the people in power within it 
or put people in power within it, you know, literally for, you know, like, like Satoshi's, you know, in the Bitcoin. So like literally like uh, imagine you have Zuckerberg to put $500 million into the voting, you know, into five uh, swing states, 500 million bucks into five swing states, plus touching all, pretty much all the states and what he was doing. Uh, then you have like these, the Soros backed, you know, district attorneys, you have possibly Soros backed, you know, sheriffs and secretaries of state and governors. And so the way I look at it is, you know, all this stuff was probably bought up at maybe two, three billion dollars. And they gained the most, you know, powerful country on the planet. And they're basically trying to incorporate it into their their deep state desires of sorts. And so it requires all of us to do our part and to get into politics, like Plato said. You know, if you don't get involved in politics, you're going to be ruled by your lessers. Dan Schultz, you know, like Dan Schultz with the precinct strategy, we plugged yeah. him into Operation Sunlight. You know, there's 400,000, you know, basically Republican precinct committee seats within the United States, and over half of them are empty. Do you have a, a plan to highlight things like this? Because, you know, all this stuff that's happening to us is only because we've been, you know, asleep at the wheel, sitting on the couch, you know, being the uh, the armchair quarterback versus actually getting out there and doing something. So what do you, what's a plan for you to, you know, wake people up and get them involved? Because that's what I believe and many others do. That's the only way we're going to save our great country is if we all, or at least a, a portion of us, 5% or so, you know, wake up, get involved. What's, what's kind of your plan to, you know, get people to become precinct committee men or get them involved in the party, you know, things like that. Do you have any, any strategy there or any ideas? Well, I think first off, it starts with just looking at my story and how I've arrived on the scene um, politically. Um, you know, when I when I did what I did to you know to support President Trump, it wasn't for personal accolades, right? It was it was to support the veterans organization, but also to show you know my my undying support and un, unselfish support for President Trump and. You know, jumping into politics, this is something that uh, wasn't in the plan for me. Um, I I hoped that the gentleman that was running, you know, prior to me was actually going to to beat Marcy Captor, and you know, I could be a, a cheerleader for him, you know, throughout his tenure. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm taking a, a six figure pay cut to do this too, and you know, I want my story to be heard. I want people to see that, you know, I was I was thankful if I could have at the time that I you know painted my lawn. Look, I live in a democratic district, one that is right between Toledo, Ohio and Cleveland, Ohio, where, um, you know, you couldn't wear a Trump shirt to the gas station without getting somebody saying something to you. And I decided to paint my huge yard, you know, with Trump 2020. If that doesn't show, you know, admiration and dedication, one to the party, but also to, you know, what I felt was fundamentally good. Um, I don't know what does. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, what I'm doing every day and how I'm living my life every day is an inspiration to people to get up and be brave because that's all we have to do. And fortunately, I'm in a Republican county. Um, all of our precinct committeemen seats are filled and we're also a bellwether county. And um, so I have a lot of uh, a lot of good things going here. But district wide, we do have a number of, of committeemen uh, seats that are open. And I am working with the local GOP chair 
uh, in each county. I have been talking to them about the precinct project ever since I was made aware of it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm vocalizing my support for that. And I do think it's important. I do think that we need to take our neighborhoods and our precincts back. And until we do that, I mean, we have to take a ground up approach to taking our country back. We can't just talk about it. We have to be about it. I mean, for the past three weeks since I announced this, I've been out and, you know, last week I spent three hours on the on the shore of Lake Erie with a with a nonprofit organization picking up trash. You know, we we did a barbecue fundraiser for you know our Women Republicans Club. Um, a lot of the local candidates stop in, they take a picture, and they leave. But I'm there at six o'clock in the morning setting up tables and and putting chairs in. I'm just trying to lead, you know, lead my life in in the best way possible and and lead by example and inspire through action. Uh, we, you know, I, we could all talk about things, you know, I think you and I and the folks that we know, we're all blessed with the ability to articulate. That's one, that's one weapon we have in our arsenal. But the other good thing about it is we actually do what we say we're going to do and we say what we do. And if we can inspire other folks to just do what we are doing 50% of the time, uh, this, this will be a very easy road in my opinion. Yeah, amen. And we get uh, more people like yourself um, in positions of office, you know, where you're actually elected, not selected, right? So, right. You know, right. talking about the uh, the election process or lack thereof, um, crazy, crazy, all the stuff that uh, is being uncovered. Like my uh, my buddy Bobby Python, man, is a big, brilliant brain, looking through all the data. It, it's insane to see some of the things that uh, that he's found, as well as many others. You know, and it it, uh, it goes deep. We could do a, a whole show uh, just on some of the the findings. But one I just, uh, me and the son were uh, were looking at today, just a, a little while ago, is something I, I think it's uh, I think it's I think it's uh, worthy of, of just mentioning here really quick. Um, in Arizona, we know that there's the uh, the audit going on, mm-hmm. and um, they they found a bunch of shenanigans, irregularities, whatever. When I was looking through uh, Bobby Python's stuff. Um, he went through and did this phantom voter analysis in five swing states. Uh, he did Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, uh, Pennsylvania, and uh, Wisconsin. And one of the one of the states I just happened to look at, me and my son, was there's a last name. He did them by by name to find these phantom voters, and it's Wood Am- uh, Wood Amorosano. That is the name, Wood Amorosano. And uh, Aaron, you know, I did a basically a countrywide search for that last name and only found one result just one it's a dentist all right just one person but yet in arizona there was 2923 votes with that last name wow arizona alone none of the other states but in that state there was 2923 of that last name last name alone so there's only one record of it in the entire u.s so either there's a a crap ton of inbreeding or there's basically some some you know some shenanigans going on with their vote you know things like there was no perez with votes in some of these states no white no hall no lee those last names so what they've been doing is taking votes from one last name and that maybe was voting for trump and shifting it over to another last name or just creating a last name out of thin air and putting all the votes you know there so they have all these shenanigans that they're doing with their voting system and it's just so many layers of it. It's so deep. Uh, what's what's your thought on our current voting system and, and how to fix it? I think first and foremost, we need voter ID. I think that uh, look, if you if you look here at a at a local scale, um, I mean, I need an ID to buy a lottery ticket. I need an ID to go to a high school football game. I need an ID to um, 
do almost everything in life and that those things are you know they need to go into the dnc yeah yeah there you go right but it's racist to have an id to vote right sure right yeah i mean you you need an id to do almost everything in life and you know those things fail in comparison to the importance of your right to vote and i have actually in ohio every time that i have voted i've produced my id and i was i was appalled that i I mean i i thought i had to have my id and i showed it every time so i mean it was uh curious to me to, to to find out that you actually didn't need the id and you know when this debate came about I remember months ago looking it up because, again, it was in my head. I thought that I just I just couldn't uh, come to grips with the fact that, you know, people could vote without it. And I think voter ID is is the number one thing. And, you know, I think we need to uh, fortify and get rid of some of these systems that, you know, if if, if they even smell or if we even have uh, thoughts of, of fraud, they need to be annihilated from you know our systems we, we should not do business with them and that starts at the state level our, our state auditors need to be involved and you know we need to get we need to get rid of dominion and all these other systems that you know that had anything to do with our 2020 election i mean i don't see how we could do it any other way they're shame on our congress for you know not doing the right thing and and letting this you know speculation go as far as long as it has and you know what we'll, I'm worried about, you know, to be honest with you, while I would love to see all of the fraud overturned and the election, you know, well, I would love to see that happen. I'm scared of what would, what would be the end result when, when the, when the American people realize, you know, what would actually happen, you know, to our society if we find out that, you know, which I truly believe that Donald Trump is still currently the president of the United States. I believe that, you know, he had the majority of the votes um, but when our society comes to the realization that we've been cheated or the president was cheated, what is going to be the, you know, the, um, social reaction to that? I think it's going to be, I think, I think it's going to be devastating, honestly. And I think that may be part of the bigger, you know, overarching plan for some people that have, you know, nefarious, uh, um, desires for this country, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when these same, you know, liberals left. Democrats, whatever you want to call them, were crying out about this, you know, with in the past 10 years, talking about the shenanigans going on with using these um, electronic voting machines. And then, of course, they're all silent on it now because it benefits right. them. So um, I, do you think that, I mean, when whenever you have any kind of computer program that's created, um, somebody created it so they could put a back door in it. They could basically just, you know, have some bad code things like that. Do you think we should be using electronic voting systems in our country or should we go back to paper ballots and hand counting? I mean, I'm not scared of technology. I don't think we should be, but the people that are approving these systems, I mean, I highly doubt that any of our um, our state elected officials who are, uh, you know, going through the review process when, you know, these pollster companies are submitting their competitive bids. I doubt any of those uh, individuals who are making the selections have a CISSP or they understand what it takes, you know, to make sure to ensure that these voting systems are secure. And, you know, if we're going to, if we're going to accept these new technologies, we need to be aware, we need to be prepared. We shouldn't push technology away. We should harness it and we shouldn't believe that. And we shouldn't be overconfident. Right. I think, I, I, 
there's so many different scenarios that could have went into play, but you know, for Ohio, for example, there are only a couple counties that use the Dominion systems. But you know, I know for a fact that the process that it, you know, those systems went through, um, I know the officials, the elected officials, don't have the qualifications to, you know, ensure that we had a secure election. And I think if we if we can come to, you know, that that platform, or if we can come to that space, you know, from a quality assurance, quality control standpoint, you know, I think that electronic voting is okay, but I think it's going to take a lot of time to get there because we've accepted this technology to date so openly and haphazardly that we have a lot of bad things to undo. And who knows how far it's embedded? You know what I mean? That, that That's the scary part. And I don't know enough about, I mean, I've, I've led cybersecurity teams in the nuclear industry. So I have a, a fundamental knowledge, but that's from a leadership standpoint. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, um, you know, I would be intimidated to, you know, select an organization to, you know, collate our votes if, you know, I didn't have the qualifications to do so. I mean, especially with the internet. I mean, we all know, everyone knows, Our my grandmother knows, my grandfather knows that he can get a virus on his computer, right? They know that from the 80s and 90s. They should be aware, and I'm sure they are aware that, you know, that's that's a form of corruption, and that corruption is very prevalent in technology today. And so if we can't eradicate that, we should we should definitely you know, have the safeguards in place before we accept it any, you know, going forward. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have any kind of electronic voting system or anything to do with, electric, I guess, technology when it's software uh, driven. So if, for instance, you know, the, the good people of Georgia, they all go out and vote. They think their vote counts. Mm-hmm. But then one person, one person, uh, can decide where 94% of the votes go. So say, you know, 100%, say 94% of those votes, you know, out of 100 votes, say 94 of them were supposed to go to Trump. Now that same one person, we didn't elect that person, they just right. work in some machine company, can literally just put them all to Biden. One person, one flip of the cursor, done. All of our votes wiped out. It's very hard to do that with paper ballots, paper, you know, can counting the paper ballots, and using like an air gap mainframe to enter that data. A lot of eyes, it's very hard to do. Uh, using technology, it's, it's very easy. And then when you hear reports of like secretaries of state or governors or their families receiving money directly from these types of corporations that create these voting machines, when you hear about them getting payouts in the millions of dollars, uh, maybe not to them directly, but maybe to their son, maybe to their brother, maybe to their, you know, whoever, their neighbor, somebody like that. Yeah. It really opens up, you know, the, I mean, anybody knowing that would think, well, okay, well, they've been paid to do something. And obviously it's not for us. So it would have been, you know, above board and there would probably would have been some kind of committee and some kind of hearing. It probably would have gone through the, the state, not, not as brother's checking account. Right. So do you, think that, <laughs> do you think there should be some accountability to all elected, um, you know, representatives, all, I mean, all from dog catcher to the president, do you think that they should be able to, uh, if they're going to run for office, they're going to be in office. They're subject to audits, just like they tried putting Trump through, just like they did. But do you think that these uh, elected officials or selected officials should have their books opened as well? And we should be able to see where their money is at, how, what they're invested in, or who paid them what, as well as their immediate family. Do you think that's something that should uh, you know, allow transparency, and maybe not to the public, but well, I, I think, yeah, some of it to the public for sure, but some of it needs to be, you know, private. But do you think there should be some kind of audit process for people 
in office in their immediate family? To a degree, I, I, I do believe um, to, I do believe in our right of privacy. I think that um, we should look to um, eradicate lobbyists and and other forms of big business that you know leverage their the money and, and campaign financing to influence these folks. I think that's the first step. We need to get rid of the problem, um, but yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't um, you know I wouldn't stop legislation or I wouldn't vocalize you know adversity to a legislation that. Um, held politicians accountable, especially those at the federal level that are dealing with, and, and the state level in some circumstances that are dealing with a lot of money or that are having, um, you know, they have authority and, and decision-making power over certain circumstances, such as hiring a vendor to, you know, main, to, to essentially run your your voting cycle. I mean, yeah, I, I would I would definitely be open to, uh, to a discussion on that, but my first instinct says that, you know, people have a right to privacy. But the problem, again, like we were talking about earlier, is, and is these these lobbyists, these big businesses that are, you know, holding these folks hostage. Um, and there is a certain element, again, of greed. Many of these people, you know, they're they're funneling money to their siblings and their their parents, and who you you name it. I mean, you, corruption is is so prevalent in this day and age. Uh, I would just hate to see it have a long term repercussion that you know we couldn't uh you know we couldn't put our arms around but i'm absolutely not against it uh, I, I think it would just need to be it would need to have the right people and the right the right minds around it and i think that's another thing our congress does is they hear an idea like my my gut instinct says yeah exactly what robert just said that's perfect we should hold these guys accountable they should be subject to audit but when you look at what some of our um you know, agency or administrative sections and branches of our government do with information at times, it's not always, you know, for just means. So I would hate to have information made available that could essentially destroy someone in the wrong hands just because we don't want them or we're, we're you know, concerned that they may be taking money when, in fact, we should eradicate the opportunity for them to take money by removing the, you know, penalizing big business to, to a, a, an extreme degree for things like this. I got you. So rather than, you know, holding the people accountable, you want to hold the corporations, private interests, charities, NGOs, 501c3s, all these types of organizations accountable somehow to, to where they're not allowed to donate or what, not, what do you mean exactly? Not, not necessarily allowed to donate, but when they're, you know, when they're sliding people money for, you know, voting on a certain, like, like you're saying with, with, with voting, if, if uh, let's say, in Ohio, our governor is Mike DeWine. If Mike DeWine's advocating for um, Dominion software to run our election cycle, and all of a sudden it's found that you know his brother-in-law is getting a $10 million check, I think that Dominion should be penalized just as much as Mike DeWine's brother, right? But I don't think that means, how, go ahead. How would, how would we know that he's gonna $10 million check if there wasn't an audit into him and do his media? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. See, because, like, for instance, I had looked into running for Congress back in 2010. Mm -hmm. uh, a bunch of a bunch of family and friends and supporters and everybody wanted me to do it. I looked into it. wasn't for me. But one of the things you have to do is financial disclosures, right? So you have to show, as you'll soon find out, if you haven't already, you're going to have to disclose all of your finances. Mm -hmm. You're going to dig through all your stuff with a fine-tooth comb. Now, I think that there should be accountability, 
to the candidates or people in office at least um, and their immediate family just so you can find that $10 million check because we keep getting screwed over and people are trying to figure out how it's coming, but it's too hard to track all these corporations and NGOs and charities and all these super PACs and how they're how they're basically pumping all this money into the system on behalf of these candidates or to the candidates personally through other other avenues. Um, so I think there has to be something there. So maybe yeah. come up, maybe maybe come up with a better idea to, on how to audit and how to make sure that it's not just a, a select group of people that audit that can be corrupted as well. I think yeah, yeah. transparency. I mean, when you look at our founding fathers, they were all well off. They were wealthy right. owners that uh, put it all on the line, you know, to create this country. What we find now with these people that have next to nothing, or you know, they sold their soul. And they're worth you know a hundred thousand bucks, maybe a million bucks, and you know, now they're worth, you know, 20 million, 100 million, 50, you know, 50 million, right. a billion, whatever. It's like, how do you, how in the hell do you make that kind of money as a public servant? You know, I mean, it's, it's very apparent. And like, for instance, the, the woman you're running against that's been in office, for, I think you said 38 years. Yeah. If she's never there, how the hell is she still in office? Well, it tells me you might want to look into, you know, her financials, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because, I have a feeling that she's uh, paying to play. And that's, you know, I don't have proof, obviously, but for somebody that's been in there 38 years, that's uh, never around or only around half for half the vote and people don't have access to her, you would wonder why people keep electing her. I would look, I would audit her. I would audit her last elections for sure. Right. Um, which kind of ties into, um, you know, term limits. 38 mm -hmm. freaking years and the place is still not right. I mean, what gives? I mean, should these people be allowed to stay in office for decades and decades? When our founding fathers created our country, this was something you just kind of stepped up. It was almost kind of like, you know, it was it was almost like, um, you know, mandatory service, you know, com compulsory service where they, they go in, they work there for a year or two, and then they go back to their business. They go back to their families, their lives. They don't stay there and make a career out of it. Right. Do you think that's okay? Or do you think that, um, you know, there should be some kind of term limits on all offices? I mean, you see what they do with the president, but. Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> so I'm torn on this subject and I have been for quite a long time. Um, first off, I think that running for office, again, it's your constitutional right. So I think in that respect, I don't favor term limits. And I think when we're when we look at the, the problem that we have, the, the systematic issue is that we have a flawed campaign financing system, right? So I don't personally endorse or, or, or favor term limits. What I would look at is, is, uh, a campaign finance reform. If it was easy for the average Joe or myself or you or anyone else for that matter to run for office and not have to raise $22 million. I mean, we have a Senate race going on in Ohio right now. We have uh, three, three of the four, three of the five candidates are millionaires. One's a billionaire. Okay. They're running for Senate in Ohio and they have no concerns over you know, campaign financing, they're, they're using their own money. But then you have a guy like myself who I can't throw a million dollars into my campaign. Um, one, I don't believe that you should be self-financing your campaign anyway. Um, but that said, a Senate race in Ohio should not cost up, they're, they're estimating it's gonna cost 50 million for this seat, right? 50 million per candidate to run for the seat. I think that in itself is just, it's just crazy. I don't understand how we've gotten there. And so if we took and reformed campaign financing in a way that allowed anyone to run for office, competition would course correct and people would be pushed out of office based on their performance. 
right now it's about the dollar, right? Right now it is 100% about the dollar. How would you, I guess, combat then like super PACs? Just say, for instance, you know, you only raise a hundred thousand bucks, but a super PAC puts $2 million in on your behalf. Not even, not, it never touches your account. They just run ads for you. You know what I mean? They just run $2 million of ads for, for JR, you know, right. and yeah, nobody else got that, but they do it for you. Would that be fair? I mean, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around. Yeah. What I mean, I don't, ha I don't have the, I don't have the, I haven't put as much thought into, you know, how I would, or I haven't put as much time as to introducing legislation to reform campaign financing. I mean, I'm in a battle right now where I'm learning it all on my own, right? Not being someone who's been a politician. So I'm learning how to raise money myself. I'm learning how difficult it is to be a guy that usually gives money to actually have to ask people for money, right? So I'm living that day-to-day -day fight. And so I, I haven't really put in the thought and the time to say, okay, here's what I would do different. But what I can say is, is that, you know, you have some of our candidates locally that I see, um, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've done nothing in their lives comparable to me uh, from a career perspective. You know, I make a lot more money than they do. However, they have seven to eight figures in their campaign accounts right now, and I don't. And I, I just cannot understand how that happens. I, can't, well, I mean, I know how it happens. It's happening from, you know, from what they call dark money. And that's another term that I'm learning, right? And, and I think that needs to be taken away. I mean, it needs to be all fair. It needs to be, you know, equal opportunity. And the outcome is up to the candidate, but the opportunities need to be equalized such that anyone can run for office. I mean, you should be able to just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I want to be the president and go for it. And you shouldn't have to cater to big business, to lobbyists, to super PACs, to PACs. You shouldn't have to do that. You shouldn't have to worry about how many followers you have on Instagram, how many hits your Facebook gets, all that stuff should not matter. You should be able to throw your hat in the ring and get equal exposure and have equal opportunity. I don't know how we get there, but I know, you know, there's, there's enough smart people in this country that we could round up to, you know, help reform our legislation in, in a comprehensive manner. We're just not doing that. We're leaving it all to people that have uh, self-interest. I mean, all these politicians are signing, um, a lot of them are signing term limit uh, decrees, but they know that it'll never get passed. That's why they're signing it, because they, they know it's not gonna get passed. They know it's our constitutional right. And they know when it when that's exposed and when you know the 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 majority of Americans see that, they're gonna they're gonna rally against it. That's why they're signing it so openly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a, a good way, you know, again, like we've been talking about, you know, for a long time is is to take back your state. If you're able to take back the state, you can fix a lot of this stuff. And one of the, the great ways is through the, the precinct commitment strategy, you know, like Dan yeah. Schultz. Um, incredible because a lot of the stuff you're talking about right now, the local level, you fix your precincts, you fix your city, you fix your county, you fix your state. Yeah. So then a lot of this stuff could be fixed, but you need enough people, you know, to get off their, get off their butt and, you know, put an hour, two hours a month in, you know, right. every other month at least and actually get involved. And a lot of this stuff could fix itself for sure with, with the right people, um, you know, in these PC type positions and, it's the lowest position you can get into. It's a volunteer position. It's in many cases, you don't even have to run for it or anything, right. but it's all the most powerful because the combined voice would allow them to drain this entire swamp, which is crazy. So I really recommend you really, you know, really push that quite a bit. I want to make sure that the family too is able to ask you a bunch of questions. Cause um, you know, I don't want to keep you much past 15 uh, beyond the hour oh, on no, no, no. YouTube, Periscope, uh, it looks like Twitch, DLive and Pilled. 
Uh, this is the this is the first night I'm this is the first night in two or three weeks that I'm actually not out in the community speaking. So it's kind of nice to be able to sit at home in my my uh, Zach Payne designed uh, home studio here, and uh, I have to show you a picture of it. He he, uh, he he told me what to buy. So I've had this studio, and I've very rarely used it other than for work. So it's actually nice to sit home and and not be out. Uh, beating the street here to, you know, talking at local events, even though I would love to be doing that. It's, 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 it's refreshing to have a night at home. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you'll actually reach quite a few more people than doing a, a local event, um, you know, globally here as well, yeah. as, as well through the country. So, you know, I'm, I'm crazy censored on YouTube. Um, they've removed, you know, half of our, half of our fam, um, you know, they removed hundreds of our videos. Nobody gets notifications anymore, but at night they know that we come on on Wednesdays. This is a new, you know, a new time. So, you know, you'll get a bunch of views on, on the YouTube side of things. And of course we have our family on Foxhole and Pilled that you're very familiar with as well as mm -hmm. uh, D live and Twitch. So love all the fam out there. If you have any questions for JR, hit us up in the chat right now. We'll try to get some questions into him. I could keep him here for hours, just picking his brain on uh, the things that he wants to do, but I don't, you know, I don't think we need to dive that deep. Um, I think we know enough about JR that, uh, Patriot, you love the Constitution, you love your country, Christian. You know that's those are huge things, and we definitely need that um, in office, especially uh, when you're going to be going up against uh, swamp creatures or people that have been in there for yeah. 30, 38 years. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time. It's you know we see that in California with people like uh, was it Feinstein and mm -hmm. uh, Maxine Waters been there for decades and decades. They can't show their face in public, but yet they win with 80 percent of the vote. Right. So, I mean. You know, we, that tells me that we really need to look in our, into our voting process and seeing the stuff that I've seen behind the scenes. My God, it is so much worse than any of us ever thought. Yeah, so much worse. So much worse. We need a new voting system. It's that simple. Paper ballots, hand count, National Guard, air gap mainframe, just voter ID, all that kind of stuff. But um, all right, so we get uh, our bro. Let's see uh, non coincidence synchronicities. Uh, let's see. He says a uh, massive centralization lacking morals, ethics also tend to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't see a lot of people in Senate or Congress actually, you know, they may proclaim that they're, you know, they go to church or something like that, but then you see their, their morals and their ethics. And, and we've seen that uh, a lot of that is lacking for sure. We definitely yeah. need, you know, when, when you have no fear of God, then you really have no fear of anything, right? Maybe going to jail. And if you have nobody going to jail for all this corruption we see, well, if you're not, if they're not scared of God, they're not scared of going to jail. It's a freaking heyday, and that's what we're right. seeing. That is what we're seeing. It's crazy. We're, we're, we have a we have a Democratic Party and a and an ultra liberal left that's employing these Bolshevik tactics, like you talked to or you talked about earlier. I mean, it all starts with nihilism. They're creating this generation that is nihilistic, and you know, they they they, they have no concerns, they have no values, they have no morals, no ethics. They they're they're self so self absorbed that. You know they're 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 just not seeing the big picture and you know when this bubble pops and when they realize that this nihilistic perspective of theirs is not going to lead to this huge utopia and the the vacuum is going to be created and you know we need to get out ahead of that and we need to stop the vacuum from occurring i mean in every society in which that vacuum occurred we had years of tyranny and then the united states actually is the ones that nominally saved these countries from that tyranny so you know, we got to do it from the inside this time. And that's the battle. It's one, it's recognizing it. And there's, you know, I think the majority, like you alluded to earlier, the majority of us see this happening. We see it playing in front of our faces. We just got to be brave enough to stand up and fight the good fight. And 
a lot of it happens through grassroots, you know, filling our, you know, getting on our school boards, being our precinct committeemen, you know, volunteering, you know, to, to help pick up trash in the community, you know, feeding the elderly, helping the poor, what have you. I mean, leading by example, being brave. Those are the tests, you know, the fundamentals that are going to lead us to recovering what we've, we've lost on this, from this fraudulent election. They can only take so much from us. And there's a point where we're going to break and we need to break, we need to break and, 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 you know, reunite as a, as a patriotic country before, you know, this, this vacuum that I'm, that I'm talking about with these, you know, this Bolshevik nihilistic, you know, Marxist, all that other good stuff. I mean, when, when that stuff happens, it's, it's, it's going to hit us so fast and so hard, it's going to implode. And, you know, we're seeing it, we're seeing it play out. We, we just got to be ready. I could just go on and on and, and you know, <laughs> and ramble about it, but it just brings me to the best quote. I think one of the, my favorite quotes was from Ronald Reagan. He said that, uh, you know, how do you tell, how, how can you differ, differentiate a communist from a patriot? And I'm, I'm probably going to mess this up a little bit, but you'll get the, the tone. It's that uh, communists read Marx and Lenin, but patriots understand Marx and Lenin. Yep, indeed. Over on uh, DLive, see, uh, C. Godfrey asks, what's your thoughts on Bill Gates buying up all the farmland and either just not farming it or using it for uh, GMO-type foods? I mean, I don't know. I haven't really looked into that as much, but I know the, the Chinese government is doing it, and I think that that's an attempt for them to strip our sovereignty. I think that should be outlawed. I mean, Bill Gates is, a, is an American citizen. We all know that he has you know, nefarious, uh, probably intent with buying all this land because he's a multi-billionaire, but yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how that could be, how that can be stopped other than exposing his corruption for what it is. That's, that's the conundrum that we're dealing with. And it's all because of, you know, this government that we have. I got you. Then, um, Let's see. We've got uh, Joanne Q uh, Quinn, of course, is talking about uh, Marjorie Greene, how she's uh, treated terrible, you know, from her own party because she's truly working for the people. So mm -hmm. obviously, you know that if you're America first and you're, you know, for the Constitution, you're for the people. Um, how do you plan on dealing with uh, people in your own party throwing you under the bus? And I mean, we saw what they did to Trump. You know, yeah. um, you know, what, what do you? What's your thoughts on that? I'm actually having dinner with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Jim Jordan in the next few weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, look, you have to be fearless, right? You have to be fearless. As long as your, you know, your principles are, are sound, your beliefs are in, in, in your God, and you are doing things that are right and you know they're right, then, like Trump said, be the outsider. Embrace the opportunity to be an outsider because it's the outsiders who change the world. And I've lived my life as an outsider. I mean... You know, I sit here today as a very successful person that wants for nothing. And I come from a family of poverty. I come from a very, you know, um, poverty driven neighborhood in one of the worst cities in the state of Ohio. And I made it and I made it through a lot of doubt. And I had the nuclear family. I have parents that have been married for 43 years. And without them, you know, I wouldn't be here today. But at every step of the road, I had people telling me I couldn't or I had people telling me that that's not for me or casting doubt, you know, and, and when it comes to patriot, patriotism, I think I've said this to you before, Robert, it's, it's patriotism is a lonely game. It is a very lonely game, especially when you're outspoken because 
everyone wants to rally behind you, but few and far in between where people actually get up, stand up and take action with you. And I'm willing to do that every day. I mean, I have energy like you wouldn't believe. And I admire Marjorie Taylor Greene. You know, I, I think she's doing a lot of good things. I think sometimes, um, you know, she could take a different approach, but hey, she is doing what she believes is right. And I know she's a God fearing woman and she believes that she's uh, standing up for her, you know, her constituents and God bless her for it. You know, that, that that's the same behaviors that I'm going to have. They're just, just going to be from a different, you know, it's going to have my own personal, uh, you know, touch to it. Yeah. Amen. Then we got, um, let's see here. Stephanie L says, uh, what would or could you do about the uh, Smith Munt Modernization Act of 2012 it needs to be done away with? Are you familiar with the uh, Smith Munt Modernization uh, Let me look real quick. I know I, I think it's like an amendment to like a bill back in uh, 48. I think it has to do with um, like uh, basically like propaganda, like essentially propaganda through yeah. what they what they allow to happen, um, you know, what information we can give out, if I remember right, um, or how information is disseminated uh, like to foreign countries. And I think it has something to do with our, our media and things like that. I believe it's like an amendment to an act of 48, if, if I remember right. Yeah, and I know that there were some uh, steps taken in the Obama administration that, that, that made some changes to that, from what I understand. But I mean, you know, I, like I said before, I think the, the utmost challenge right now that we have in this country is propaganda that's peddled by the mainstream media. And we need to hold them accountable. We need to find a way to do that. But we have to do so in a, in a manner that's not infringing on people's rights. I mean, like it or not, everyone has, you know, rights under our constitution. We have to protect their freedoms of speech, but we need to create an environment where there's a differentiation between what an individual is saying, you know, under their, their amend, you know, their freedom of speech rights versus what they're saying you know, in representation of an organization. And we need to have politicians and statesmen that are willing to fight that fight. And I'm willing to fight that fight. I think that's one of the most uh, detrimental aspects that we have, you know, going on in our society right now is the mainstream media. I mean, they are peddling BS every day, every day. And it's not just the left, you know, there, there's, there's also stuff that comes out from the right that it's not always true. So, and the other part of it is, is that, um, you know, we don't, you know, we don't want to have, we want to have an ability for the, the media companies to have competition. You don't want to strip that away, but what you want to have from them is honesty and truth. And if they can't do that, they shouldn't be in business. I mean, we rely on them as an American, pe as an American people to, to provide us with honest reporting and they, they have freedom of the press. And that comes with responsibility. So we have to find a way to hold them accountable for it. Right now, we're doing a piss poor job of doing so. Pardon my language. Yeah, biggest enemy of the people, according to Trump. And I think we see it uh, every day. Uh, so Scorprat05 on Foxhole says, uh, Junior, what have you learned since running for office? Um, Sorry, it's JR. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, I'm so used to it by now. Um, what does JR stand for? for, for the James Richard. James Richard. Yeah. What have I learned so far from running for office? That um, people who are afraid of you will go to any means to destroy you and break you down without having and, and without even giving you an attempt to uh, engage in some dialogue or discourse. 
that our country is so divided based on political affiliation and political divide that we've lost the desire and even the, 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 the wherewithal or the understanding on how to sit down and have a conversation with people. And we need to get, we need to move away as a society that our political affiliation is, you know, a represent a direct and distinct representation of our personality. I mean, we can agree to disagree. And you hear from the Democratic Party, you hear from the far left that, you know, they want, uh, you know, give you an example, um, diversity and inclusion. But that is only a subset of, you know, the reality. They only want diversity and, and inclusion within their, their framework of beliefs. And when it comes to sexual orientation, outside of that, there's no such thing as diversity and inclusion. And I believe diversity, I believe a, in a different set of opinions and a different set of thoughts is what makes people stronger. I highly advocate against groupthink as a leader, um, you know, as a young leader in the nuclear industry, I've, 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 you know, built my way on listening to people. Um, I've just over the past few years, I've actually walked into a place where, you know, I'm, I'm of the age or maybe a couple years older than my, you know, my subordinates, you know, I'm, I'm used to walking into a situation where everyone that works for me is, you know, much, much my elder. And so, I've learned to shut my mouth and open my ears and I've learned to engage, you know, and listen to people's ideas and hear them out before I give my opinions and society just doesn't do that nowadays. So we, we, we created this divide that's so strong and so caustic that, you know, we, we just don't talk anymore. Yep. You got that right. We have two ears and one mouth, right? So we should listen twice as much as the old. Exactly. Exactly. Trying to put some links out there for you. I guess they didn't all copy. Um, I'm going to make sure to put uh, links in the description um, on the YouTube side of things, as well as uh, I'll put it in the uh, the chat for for Jr. Um, on Pilled as well. I'll try Appreciate to do it. On, yeah, we'll get all your get all your links out there. Um, you know, I don't want to keep you you know more than because I think the the ending video is like two minutes long, and then we'll, we'll chat for a few minutes afterwards. Uh, so we'll wrap this up here pretty quick. But what's some what's some closing thoughts you have? I mean, what's you know what's um, what's what what is it that you want people to know about you? Why you're doing this? How they can help? Um, you know, just just lay it out there for us. Give us your 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 two minute stump speech at the end. Um, you know, the biggest thing, the biggest way people can help is spreading the word. Um, you know, uh, the, right now, obviously, uh, another thing that I'm learning is that. You know the financial side and the donation side of of political campaigns is 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 very important. Um, a lot of this, you know, since we've been doing this, a lot of these things I've been paying for myself, and we're starting to gain some ground from a from a monetary standpoint. We're getting donations, we're getting out in the community, um, but spreading the word, donating if you have the means. I absolutely do not want anybody to donate money if they can't afford it. Um, I would I would actually, you know, rather donate to you money rather than you donating for my little uh, my little political escapades, but, you know, donating, spreading the word, those are the the, the biggest things, uh, especially on the social media lands. Right now, Facebook is kind of the, the battlegrounds for the campaign. Um, I haven't been as active on Twitter as I was at one time, but I still do check Twitter. Um, Twitter has been overrun by the left, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I can, I, I'm on Gab occasionally when I can get it to work, but I've focused most of my time now on Facebook. Uh, so following me on Facebook, checking out my website, and uh you know fighting the good fight and getting engaged in your local communities i mean yeah i i want to see every one of our communities every one of our our districts turned red i mean you know th this next election is going to make or break in my opinion our country 
and we have to fight the good fight and give it our best. And God has a plan for us. We're either going to succeed or we're going to fail. But as long as we stay true to what, you know, our, our faith and our families and our friends and our country, I don't think we will. Yep, we definitely need to uh, be there for our friends, family, neighbors. We need to take this back ourselves and get involved and support patriots like yourself. That's uh, absolutely paramount. We can't just keep waiting on people to do this stuff for us. We have to do it for ourselves. And I'm, I'm proud that uh, you threw your hat in the arena because it is uh, it is a thankless job. It doesn't matter what your intentions are, how good, how noble they are. You're always you know going to offend somebody. Right. And you're definitely uh, going to have people come after you, family, job, all that kind of stuff, just because you're trying to do what's right for the people. So uh, God bless you. I know all about God it. God bless you, brother. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know all about it. So I'm just speaking from experience. They're going to come after you, man. Your your businesses, your livelihood, uh, family, friends, all of it, just simply because they want to keep the status quo. They don't want any change. They're, they're happy with who they have that's probably bought and paid for doing their bidding. So, you know, exactly. prayers, prayers for JR, man. JR needs some prayers, everybody. So it's, uh, but we definitely thank and commend you for it because we all got to get involved. And uh, maybe not everybody wants to run for Congress, right? Maybe um, they want to get involved, right. but want to do it at a, at a lower level. Again, precinct committeeman, that's a great way to do it. It's super freaking simple. You can find it at uh, precinctstrategy.com or at operationsunlight.com. Of course, all the links for JR will be there. It's always great to see the fam, you know, on Foxhole and Pilled and, you know, Twitch and Periscope and YouTube. Uh, we'll broadcast this on our TV show, too, from 46 Million Homes. Well, uh, Jason, okay, will so, yeah, he'll chop this up and put it into a 22-minute segment and get it out there. Because um, Twitter and all that kind of stuff is Facebook and LinkedIn I've been banned off of, right? So yeah. I still have a Twitter account, but... Like we have this streaming on Twitter, but zero people see it. Nobody gets any of our tweets or notifications. So using Facebook, I mean, it's it's, it's cool that you have the platform there, but I highly recommend you start using Gab um, more, you know, not only yeah. as a partner, not only as just a part owner, but there is a, a so many amazing patriots there, um, as you know, and it's running and working better. Uh, and of course, you can use the features on Pilled, right? So Pilled. Uh, it was a, another great platform that's going to get better and better with groups over the next uh, you know, probably week or so, if I had to guess, two weeks, something like that. They'll have their pilled system. So another way you can get monetized uh, as well as they can, uh, like like on uh, DLive, for instance, we have a uh, fam that has uh, donated 114 linens. I'm going to give it back to the fam right now. They would be able to do the same thing for you on pilled here very, very shortly. So before I forget, awesome. let me get out the fam here. We'll play our ending video. Hang around um, at the end. All right. And we'll uh, discuss a few things. Uh, one second here. Let me see if I can do this quickly. All right. Looks like that worked. I'm going to distribute the awards and the uh, top contributors. Uh, it's who. I can't see the last part of the name. Uh, who? C A. And then Kitty Wu, of course, and one Steven. So big thanks uh, to the top contributors there. Kitty Wu is awesome. Uh, one Steven. And of course, uh, who underscore. I can't see the last part of it, but I'm sure we will here in a second. I want to make sure I give the uh, the props to them for their 20, uh, 20 lemons that they donated. Anyways, I just gave it all back to the fam, so now they can use it for whatever they want. All right, so Kitty Woo is the luckiest follower. One Stevens, the second one. Um, Asset Wars is uh, third. Opening Lurker and TN, uh, TN Linus. All right, so those are the uh, luckiest followers over on DLive. So... 
God bless you all. And again, you know, JR, we'll have all your links out there for you. Make sure the fam can find you. Um, you know, it's highly commendable what you're doing. It really is. Thanks, man. Proud of you, brother. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm definitely going to, I'm definitely going to take you up on your, your uh, willingness to help me with crypto because I, I'm definitely interested in, in getting that out and about. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to give that some, some congressional exposure. I think we're missing out as much, especially as much as I've learned just from meeting you and Zach and the other folks. I mean, you know, I've learned so much more about so many things that I didn't understand. And I think the, the public is missing out. Yeah. Always there for you. Happy to help anytime. And uh, as always, huge thanks to Shahid for all that you do, brother. Huge thanks to Will, Aaron, Jason, and of course, uh, Daughter Beatles are in the chat. Love you back. So love y'all. God bless y'all. We will be back on Friday, I believe. Uh, so I'm not sure if we're going to bring somebody on or if we'll just uh, hang out and do with some chat on some current events and what's going on with the election, uh, you know, <laughs> audits and things like that. Yeah. But uh yeah, we'll be back Friday. So love y'all. God bless y'all. And we will catch you soon. Hey, peeps, just a friendly reminder. Crypto Beatles shows are never financial advice, recommendations, or trading strategies. The views expressed here are solely that of Robert Beatles and his guests. Robert Beatles is the co-founder of the Monarch Wallet, host of Trading View Sessions, Crypto Beatles on YouTube, and on several entities. Robert's opinions here do not reflect that of those entities. Some information shared here may not actually be factual. These shows are for information and entertainment purposes only. Never invest a single Satoshi or penny in anything without first seeking the counsel and advice of a professional financial advisor. Robert Beatles is not a financial expert or advisor. Investing in anything is super dangerous. You can lose all of your money, so always trade at your own risk. Please help us grow the family. Give us a comment and review on the Apple or Google Play Store. It's super quick and easy. Just scroll down, click the little stars, comment, and just help us grow the family. God bless you. Love you. And I'll catch you all on the next one.